As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome back. I'm Dane Brugler, joined as always with uh, NFL.com's Lance Zerline. This is the Athletic Football Show, our midweek NFL Draft Edition. Today's our Combine Preview. Plenty to cover. Uh, there's some news that came out yesterday with the whole bubble situation. The agents won, but they're still kind of pissed about a few things. Uh, then we're going to go position by position and uh, just talk about what we can expect to see next week in Indianapolis. Uh, but first, Lance... I saw NFL.com, a couple profiles up, uh, finally getting uh, your work up there. So that's uh, that was awesome to see. Had to be had to be good to tweet that last night. It's like a restaurant with a soft launch. They first start popping up on on uh, Daniel Jeremiah's first mock draft. When you click on the player, it'll go to the link of the prospect. But if you hit see all prospects, it'll take you to 2021. Um, then comes... DJ's top 100, I think, or top 50, and so it gets more expansive. Then came Chad Reader's three-round mock in NFL.com, and so I had to have all the players from his three-round mock uh, listed. It's a little uncomfortable, and one of my players I have as an undrafted free agent is in his third third round. Who was that? Uh, actually, I have him as a late, late pick, and it's Donovan West. Arizona State. Oh, I don't. I okay. don't have him as high as a pick. Okay. Um, and then Chad actually alerted me to a the guard from uh, Josh Udo, uh, Eduize. The, the, Azudu. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. North number Carolina. 70, number seventy. Not number seventy three. Seventy four. I think he is. He's the left guard. I just got done watching the right guard too. So I mean, these players are just. It, it's just a. <laughs> I've got to have every combine player finish, so um, it's it's five and six players a day, seven days a week. There's no there's no day off right now, so they're all one after the other. But um, it's fun the discovery of a player that maybe you've already seen and you've got an opinion on, and then now you know they're fresh in my mind, especially some of these running backs. Um, it's exciting. That's why it's fun to do the show right now as we head into the combine. But yeah, it was nice to be able to get my a link out for my draft profile so some people could start reading up on those and and I could have discussions back and forth about some things people agree with, didn't agree with, and maybe I, you know, altered some opinions, maybe I didn't. Uh, it's fun. It's it's a good process. 
Yeah, no question. And I, I, I'm with you. I've got about 10 players left, uh, combine invites that I still need to finish. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's a process. But yeah, anybody interested, uh, go check out uh, Lance Timeline uh, on uh, on Twitter for the for the link, bookmark it. Check back. Let, let Lance know uh, what he got wrong. Uh, but it's plenty of debate with these guys, and that's what makes it fun. But, so this week we... Uh, had some news with the combine and the whole COVID protocols. Uh, just to catch everyone up, the NFL announced that last week that it'd essentially be a bubble for the 324 prospects that were invited to Indianapolis. Basically, every player would have to be restricted to the combine area for the entirety of the player's four-day stay in Indianapolis. So basically, we're talking about the convention center, Lucas Oil Stadium, the hotel. Uh, the, the NFL went as far to say that anyone in violation would be immediately sent home. So no surprise, there was pushback, especially from agents. Uh, they want their players to have access to trainers and nutritionists and, and all the other support staff that they've been you know, working with to train these players throughout this process. But they didn't want their uh, guys locked in a hotel room for three days and then asked to work out on the fourth day, which is kind of how the schedule is right now, which I pretty understandable request. So the agents got together, and I'm told it was, it was Ron Slavin who organized everything, a guy you and I know uh, pretty well, uh, Lance. Uh, he, he organized everything. It was 14 agencies, 157 pros, or, uh, yeah, uh, prospects that were going to choose not to work out. They'd go to the combine, do interviews, do medicals and all that, but with no workouts. They publicly announced this, and lo and behold, the NFL announced uh, last night, Monday night, they loosened the restrictions, and now players will be free to come and go. Approved support staff will be allowed in the bubble. With workouts and prime time uh, at the Combine, I think the agents threatened that TV money, and there's a little bit of given uh, from the NFL. So just, just a, a, a weird situation. Yeah, and I understand it from the agent standpoint. You know, um, one of the things we always hear about is what a grind, a mental grind the Combine is. Yeah. Listen, this is... This is a huge job interview, and the job interview entails a medical grind that is unlike in the player association. They and I, it's understandable. Thirty-two teams have medical staffs there, and a player could be subjected to thirty-two different teams full of medical stuff. Like it's, it is an arduous process. It's something we don't ever see on a broadcast. But trust me, that's one of the very difficult things: is the mental challenge of getting up as early as they do, going through an entire process of the medical stuff. Then you're meeting with all these different teams. You're doing psychological evaluations. Um, you're doing interviews. You're up on a whiteboard. Then you've got to go work. You got to go run fast. You got to go change directions quickly. You got to be explosive as a leaper and, and broad jump. So it's already tough on you mentally. It's already a very stressful thing to take away in essence, the argument from agents are you're taking away the support system and their quote-unquote normalcy that they have had over the last couple of months. And uh, I think it's a fair and reasonable argument by the agent mm -hmm. side, especially when you see a Super Bowl in L.A. or I, I don't know if it's L.A. County or not, but in California that just had people without masks in the stands. And it's, you know, I, I, I think some of the agents looked at this and said, wait a minute, our players are not going to be out and about. They're not going to do anything crazy. They they rarely ever do. You rarely hear a story about that. Um, let's just, why are we treating these guys, why are we going backwards and regressing? That was the argument I heard from one agent um, who he predicted the NFL would, he said, within 24 hours, they will double back. There's no way they're taking a chance uh, that these, and this was not an agent who was involved with any of the 
the uh, you know getting together for the boycott. But his his basic message was the same one you kind of hit on. They're not going to take a chance with that TV money. They're not going to take a chance with frankly uh, an event that is absolutely huge for the NFL that they missed out on last year. Yeah, exactly, uh, and that's a good point. We did not have the combine last year, and so. That's not something that they wanted to to mess with before or again this year. And I talked with someone at the NFL who basically said the whole bubble concept was a, a national decision. Um, and I'm talking about uh, national. That's the group that runs the combine uh, scouting service uh, that a lot of teams um, uh, are uh, connected with. Really. Yeah, and uh, but you know, national. Who do you think they're blaming? The NFL. So it's just it, it's 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 back and forth. Um, you know, and, and the other issue here that we need to mention, um, and I, I, I do think you know, you, you mentioned the medicals. Just we have to put or you know have this uh, footnote. And I think most fans know this, but the whole reason for the combine is not the forty. It's not any of the workouts. It's it's the medicals. That's the entire reason the combine was created. You know, 25, 30 years ago. It's the entire reason that uh, you know the combine continues to be the most important step of the process. Getting those medicals done is uh, paramount to to everything else. Um, the other issue uh, is the new schedule this year, where they have players doing the bench press and performing on field workouts on the same day. Uh, in the past, they're, they're, each each player uh, it spends four days in Indianapolis. Uh, there's you know first day is orientation, stuff, interviews, things like that. Second day we're talking about medicals, more interviews. Third day, uh, more meetings, more interviews. Fourth day is the bench press and the workout. In the past, the bench press uh, and measurements were the day before the workouts. This year, measurements, bench press, workout, all in the same day. That's something that uh, the agents are not thrilled about. Basically, you know, they're they don't want their players exerting all that energy on the bench and then going out and trying to be at peak performance during these drills where. You know, hundreds, uh, you know, uh, fractions of a, of a second matter in, in everything these guys do. So personally, I'm surprised they still do the bench press. But um, we're going to see a lot of t- a lot of players opt out of the bench press. We will see. I would say more than half do not do the bench press because this year. they can still Be- do it at their pro days. Exactly. Which it, it, and same same day they do the other drills. But uh, it's just the <laughs> fact that yeah, it, it, in past in past years this is not how they did it, and so they. The agents are not happy with them changing things up. So, yeah, we, we will see a lot of players uh, not do the bench. Are, are you surprised that the bench press is still a central uh, thing that the that they do as part of the, the combine process? Or I, I think no. it helps it, it helps show, like, you know, who spends time in the weight room, who really, uh, you know, is a gym rat, that type of thing. But, you know, I, I just feels like, uh, you know, we're, we're past that in terms of understanding play strength and functional strength as opposed to just, you know, lifting a bar uh, in the bench press. I'm kind of – I'm a little bit different here. You know, my dad doesn't care. He was former offensive line coach. He cares about certain functional numbers. <clears throat> a lot of people care about what the low – like as long as you're above the low end of it. I think there is something to be said for – Look, longer arm guys have further to push the bar up. They're notoriously, it's more difficult for them to to bench. So when you see a good bench number from a long arm guy, that's usually pretty impressive. I, I don't think the bench press is any different than the 40. I think with a lot of with a lot of teams, if they had access to all of the the uh, MPH data from from uh, uh, catapults and the, and the wearable technologies that are out there right now, they would choose to normalize a speed for players and use that. Right now, 
the normalized speed is a 40 yard dash. They it's it's a good baseline to check a player's speed at 10 yards, 20 yards, and then 40 yards. And then some teams will take a look at 20 to 40 and what that split is from from starting to, you know, they'll they'll look from 10 to 20. Is there a, a burst or acceleration? So I, I honestly don't have a, a problem with either one because I think the 40 doesn't really tell you a lot about football speed necessarily, although it can. I mean, I think I think sometimes people go overboard and act like, oh, the bench press doesn't tell you football strength. Yeah, but it can show you when a guy's not strong. And a lot of times you may see that on tape as well. Oh, the 40 doesn't tell you. I'm like, the 40's antiquated. Yeah, but the 40 can tell you who is who does have the capability of running fast and who doesn't. I think some of the other ones, if you really want to know the truth, I think the 40-yard dash there's only so much you can train for a 40-yard dash. There's only so much you can do for the bench press. You're either strong or you're not strong. And um, and you can train and get it better to an extent. I think what's interesting is I never hear people talk about this, Dane, the three-cone drill or the short shuttle. These are strictly trained um, exercises and change of direction. And the numbers that we are seeing now, I, I've got a list of, of what the NFL norms are. The norms are coming down so fast for three cone and for especially short shuttle because the training is so precise at these training facilities that guys are training to the test and we're getting numbers that do not always reflect a player's actual game change of direction when they're staying low and playing low in a, um, you know, uh, when they're staying low and moving low in a test where that they've They've they have been training for a test. Yeah, their numbers are really really good. Do they keep their pad level low in a football game? So I could make the same argument. The three cone and short shuttle drills have really come way way down because of testing, and it's not necessarily a function of the the just unbelievable natural change of of direction quickness. Yeah, that's a great point, and I think we're getting to the point with the combine that it just feels like it's going to we're going to see a radical change at some point um and it just seems we inch closer and closer every year for uh, a lot of different reasons um and technology is a big part of it but just the training you're absolutely right these guys spend so much time focusing on these combine tests more so than you know football uh related things and so i i do think the the combine has tried to evolve little by little every year like uh you know we're going to see different positional things this year with the combine and i think that'll continue but at some point we're, we're going to see a radical change with how they decide to change things up so um not this year um but that that will be coming up at some point i do want to get into the combine though and, and do a little bit of a preview let's go position by position and let's really get into what we're excited to see uh, at each of these positions. What what we can expect, um, you know, the important bullet points. What you can't wait to uh, see. What you, what you think we'll be talking about. Uh, let's let's just start with quarterback. And I, I think the main storyline is going to be Kenny Pickett's handset. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it's, it is uh, going to be one. It, it will, I know. Should got measured be. at the Senior Bowl. I know. I said that. I keep saying. I, yeah. It, unfortunately, it will be a, a topic of discussion because he t- just didn't rip that Band-Aid off. Uh, he's at home stretching out that thumb. And, hey, if it gets him that extra eighth of, a, of an inch, uh, you know, good for him. But, uh, you know, I think to me – 
uh, it, it's Matt Corral. That that's that's the guy because you know we had a chance to see the other quarterbacks in the Senior Bowl. The main difference between the combine and Senior Bowl is going to be Matt Corral is going to be uh, available and working out. Uh, that we didn't get a chance to see him in Mobile. So uh, this is his chance to shine. He's uh, he's very quick with everything he does. The feet, um, the the arm action. He comes from a very defined passing offense, and that certainly helped him play fast. But I think in a setting like this. It's it's really set up for him to I think perform well because he's going to play fast in a setting like this, um, and, and so I'm I'm very eager to see him and see how much momentum he can create uh, throughout the week. Totally with you. I think throwing on air is, is going to be a, a big win for him. Um, I was impressed with he spins a really tight spiral, so it's going to look pretty coming out. He's got a quick release. Um, he can float the deep ball, really buttery soft deep ball when he's when he's locked in, and I think he's going to deliver the ball with consistently good placement so the fact that we didn't get a look at at uh um you know matt corral at the at the senior bowl and this is our first look he's smaller and one of the things that i have noticed at the combine from watching guys throw before and after guys like carson wentz and and justin herbert is it it can also hurt you a little bit um I'm, I'm, it's usually in alphabetical order, if I'm correct. Right. So it, we'll be looking at like Jack Cohn, Matt Corral, um, Caleb Ellaby. Is Dustin Crum invited? Yep, he is. Okay, none of those guys are going to blow you away with their with their arm strength. So I, I don't think that's going to, I don't think that's going to hurt. Um, and I think there's plenty of arm strength. Don't get me wrong. It's just the size. He's a physically he, – Matt Corral is going to be a lot smaller guy. So I'm with you. I also think watching Malik Willis throw, um, can he throw with control? Can he deliver the ball with good placement and accuracy? What, do his, what does the deep ball look like for him? I think Malik Willis needs to have an accurate – combine he needs to throw the ball with relative accuracy a lot of it is going to be uh like with every quarterback is going to be up on the whiteboard with teams stuff that we're not you know we don't see it's going to be the interviews with Malik Willis uh and every quarterback I mean that that does those are really really big parts of the quarterback it's not just throwing with velocity throwing with accuracy it's how do you do in those private meetings with teams and that's going to be a really big thing for I think we're calling it a big four. Some are saying big five with Sam Howell, I guess. But um, uh, to me, it's it's. Uh, I think it's going to be about Matt Corral and, to a lesser extent, Pickett and Willis. Can one of those guys stand out to where they start to grab some some footing for QB one? I don't think Matt Corral is going to be QB one, even though I have a I have him barely ahead of Kenny Pickett and Ritter and Willis. I've got him kind of bunched up, yeah. but. Do you see a scenario where Matt Corral is QB1 in this year's draft as we sit here in February? I think it's possible. I, I think when it, it boils down to uh, teams are looking at like these quarterbacks and they're going to say to themselves, okay, we want a guy that's going to put points on the board. We want, you know, you look around the league, you see guys like Kyler Murray, you see guys like Dak Prescott, you see, uh, you know, these explosive offenses that can put up. 35, 40 points a game you know, with the way they impact a game. And I think Matt Corral has that potential to do that. And so is there's a lot of things that are kind of unanswered about his evaluation, uh, just coming from that offense and just how uh, you know quarterback friendly it was with the design and the reads. But he has the arm and it, the way he plays, how fast he plays, 
uh, I think that he has at least potential to put points on the board. And so I, I think that's something that's going to, uh, teams can hang their hat on that. If we want a quarterback that's going to, you know, help lay up the scoreboard, Matt Corral is potentially one of those guys. And that could get him uh, to be the top quarterback. I'm, I'm with you. I, I have... I, I have I have Pickett, Willis, Corral right now, but they're bunched very very closely. Uh, it, it, that could change at the combine after you know we we learn more about these guys. Um, the you mentioned the interview process, how big that's going to be for all these quarterbacks, but especially Matt Corral because he didn't go through interviews at the Senior Bowl process where yeah. uh, you know there's going to be some questions he has to answer. But his background um, uh, in Southern Cal, there's some stuff in high school where you know getting to a fight and. Uh, with Gretzky's kid and maybe turning off some people with just the way he carried himself. And, uh, but, you know, he goes to Ole Miss and the coaches there rave about him and uh, how he, you know, acclimated himself to the program and the well, culture. There, but there's an, there's also an article. So I'm not putting out, I'm not airing dirty laundry, but he's, there's mm-hmm. an article about how he had a drinking problem too and that he yeah. got himself some help. And he, you know, sometimes it, it, it's unfortunate because sometimes teams look at that as a negative. And, and certainly you could look at it. It's not that it's unfortunate they look at it in a negative. I understand being nervous about you want to make sure a player's um, personality and makeup and profile is going to be steady and solid, especially based on where you play. For example, mm-hmm. a New York-based team, an L.A.-based team, certain cities, maybe it's more difficult than other. Maybe like if you're a cowboy, that's, this, that's a lot of attention on a Dallas Cowboy, not that the Cowboys are drafting quarterback. But at the same time, you know, it also falls into a category of overcoming adversity. And from talking to Brian Decker, who is uh, one of the psychological guys for the Indianapolis Colts, I had a phenomenal conversation with him uh, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, maybe. And we talked for a while about adversity. And, you know, teams are okay with players having adversity in their life, with having adverse family situations, because sometimes it can be a detriment to you. But there are other times that players have overcome certain things and a team knows in the back of their mind that when things get rough on the field, when things get rough in the locker room, when they go through adversity in a season, if a player has already overcome adversity, they're more likely to be able to access that from their background and potentially lean on that to get through adversity without completely cratering. Similarly, players who have been through no adversity, there are some teams who are, are, are a little bit leery of, of those those players because they don't know how they'll handle adversity. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is a great point. And uh, with, with Corral, there's certainly been a few things. And I th- his off-field decision-making will be questioned, and it'll be important mm-hmm. for him to have the right answers as he goes through the this interview process. Uh, that'll be big for him. Uh, give me one more quarterback um, uh, that uh, maybe a day three guy that you think will look good. Or, uh, or I, You also have to mention the guy you uh, – you, I'll, uh, I'll do it right now. Yeah, the, the guy, guy I want to see week. is – yeah, Jack Cohn. Yeah. Jack Cohn. Now, I've taken some crap from two different people. One is uh, um, actually both are guys in the league. Yeah, one was at NFL Network, so it's three. Two people in the league, one at NFL Network who is not who's on the production side. But um, I tell you what, I watched Jack Cohn. I had the same opinion that everyone else. I went into it with a with you know, I try not to have a filter on a negative or positive filter with a guy. I want to let their tape speak for him. I knew about Jack Cohn at Wisconsin. I watched him some this year as well. And when I turned on the tape, one of the things that I did was I pull up the passing map and I wanted to see. So the first thing I do is I watch all your interceptions. Then I watch all your for your career. Then I watch all your touchdown passes for your career. Um, then I'll go look at your deep ball throws. 
This is this is my process. Then I look at deep ball throws. I'll go look at all the deep ball throws. And then I will go look at intermediate throws because I I had uh I had a quarterback evaluator, um, actually a quarterback coach, tell me one time that he felt like the intermediate throw from college is the best, is still the best method to evaluate a college player who does a lot of dinking and dunking in the short area stuff. It's the best way to take a look at who a quarterback might translate into in the NFL. And I went and watched all of Jack Cohn's um, intermediate throws. And I was really blown away with the way that he was working from target to target with his eyes. He was a good decision maker. He had good pocket mobility where he was. And when we say pocket mobility, I understand that Cone is not going to be a mobile guy really outside of the pocket. But think Tom Brady, the ability to slide around in the pocket and get to a place where he can throw from his throw from on platform. I thought Cone did a really nice job of of sliding around in the pocket, feeling pressure, climbing the pocket, and delivering the ball with some accuracy and some placement on those intermediate throws. I, I felt like he had definitely enough arm. You know, I felt like he had plenty of arm to make the throws. And then there was just a level of poise and I think chess being played from a mental standpoint where he it, there are times where he doesn't recognize coverage underneath some really bad interceptions where he just doesn't seem to see coverage that is underneath. But I really liked the way that he was working between targets in his progressions and making decisions based on the coverage. So um, I came away very impressed with Jack Cohn. Now, when I say very impressed, like, you know, fourth round pick impressed, maybe Kirk Cousins type of a guy you don't see as a future starter who becomes a future starter. Um, I think if Jack Cohn made it to Kirk Cousins level, despite the way Kirk Cousins is killed by people, he's had a pretty good NFL career and his, his numbers are going to be a lot better than anyone gives him credit for. But, um, I'm not saying Cohn is going to be a superstar, but I was very pleasantly surprised. And my grade is right there with Sam Howell and Jack Cohn, which says a little something wow. about how I view Howell and then how I view Cohn. Yeah, certainly. I, I here I thought I was the highest uh, on Jack Cohn among uh, uh, you know those of us on the media side, but uh, turns out it's you. I, I like Cohn a lot. I, I think he. I don't think he's a starter. I think he's a backup, but I think he's going to play in the league for a long time. Um, you know, he's, I gave him he's, a 61, Dane. Yeah, that means. Really good starter could be a low end back. Uh, I mean, really good backup could be a lower end starter. A guy who you are, if I had to, Case Keenum career is like a 61 to mm-hmm. me. Um, a guy in the league right now that might be a 61 might look like, um, whew, I mean, I don't want to say any of the young quarterbacks because mostly 61s don't last for a long time. Like Jalen Hurts is on the verge of being labeled a 61, depending on the year he has next year. And there's nothing wrong with a 61. But a Mm -hmm. 61 is a guy who can be a starter for you, but you're probably always looking to replace that guy. And um, you know he's going to be a really good backup that's that's teetering between starter and backup. That's the grade I have on Sam Howell and Jack Cohn. Very, very interesting. He's not a consistent play extender because the the athletic limitations and that bothers me, but his ability is... Sam, yeah, Sam right. is an athlete now. Uh, but Cone's ability to find rhythm in the passing game is what really, really impressed me um, on a consistent basic. Uh, timing, placement, I thought we saw that consistently from him. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. All right, let's move on to running back here. Give me one big thing you're looking forward to with these running backs at the Combine. Well, first of all, I think this is a fantastic running back year. If you need a running back and you get your hands on a guy like really Samir deep. White or Snoop Connor or you know Kevin Harris or Kennedy Brooks, like I really, really like this running back class. Brian Robinson, Abram Smith. I think there's going to be some shuffling after the combine based on the the athletic profiles we see of the players. But I would say what I'm most interested in right now is I want to see Brees Hall run a forty. Yeah, because I felt like I saw some pretty good build up speed as he took off and and in Brees Hall if he can run in the low four fives I think he's in great shape and maybe even a chance to knock on RB1 door as the first running back off the board uh but I also think that um you know the speed of Tyler uh, Algier is 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 something I'm a little concerned with I didn't think I saw a great burst on the uh, mm-hmm. on tape, and that was something that concerns me. I know a lot of people are very high with him. I want to see a little bit more burst, so I want to see how it looks with a 10-yard split and the 20 yards more so than the 40. I, I care less about the 40 than the 10 and the 20. And then I want to watch uh, Kyron Williams catch the football because I think James Cook, Kyron Williams, these are a couple of running backs, uh, Tyler uh, Beatty, who – could have a big impact and maybe even to a little lesser extent, Jalen Warren from uh, um, from Oklahoma State. These are all guys who can catch the football. And especially when you talk about James Cook and Kyron Williams, I think they can be flexed out and really used as New England Patriots style, James White, Deion Lewis, plug and play, whatever Patriot running back you want that can catch the football. I think they can turn out to be one of those kind of matchup players. No doubt. I mean, Kyron Williams made my top 100 because he could be a third down monster at the next level. I agree. Uh, yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And, and I'm with you on Tyler Algier. I think the, they're really the one thing that 
I wanted to see more of from him was just that that the little bit extra burst. I you know there's I think there's a lot of James Conner to his game. I, I think he's going to run probably somewhere in the four five five the four six two range. He's in the very 40. smooth though. Yeah, he is, and that's why uh, he. I think he's my number four running back. I, I've got a big grade on him. Um, I, I'm with you on Hall too. I don't. I don't know that any of these running backs are going to really wow us. Uh, Isaiah Spiller included in there. Brees Hall, Damian Pierce isn't going to. I mean, I think he'll have good. He's explosive, so I think his jumps will look good in like yeah. high thirties. I think but he's I, in the four fives. But yeah, he's probably high four fives even. Uh, I don't know that he has that long speed. Brian Robinson, Hassan Haskins. I think that a lot of these running backs aren't going to necessarily wow us. But I do think that I'm with you. This is a really good running back here. And there, there's some some pretty good talent. I, the thing I'm most looking forward to is uh, Kenneth Walker. Can he catch the football? Uh, he just You didn't see a lot of targets on, on film with him. And it's a, a situation where Michigan State's maybe hiding him a little bit in the passing game. Or they just, you know, he was so awesome as a runner that, you know, why throw him the football when we're just going to hand it off to him and he's going to make plays. So I... I want to see him as a pass catcher. Is it natural? Uh, you know, does he look comfortable doing it? Um, that, I think to me, that's going to be big for him. Uh, he's my running back one. Uh, I think he's a top running back in this class. I think he's the one running back that actually has a shot at breaking into the first round. But catching the football cleanly and showing that he's competent, running a little bit of routes, that'll be important for him at the combine. I got some questions for you. I'm going to take it to the wide receiver position. Yep. and Let me give you this or that. Who will run faster at the combine, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson? Olave, I think Olave is gonna. That's, cor- that's the correct answer, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I mean Garrett Wilson, he's not slow, but he's probably no. four four seven, maybe. I mean, he's a, I you know, I maybe yeah, that would be my guess based off of just watching him play. Olave is um, going to run in a four threes. Yeah, oh, he's a he's a burner. He, he was he's a, a ten, burner. 10 eight guy in the hundred meters in high school. And I think Olave is going to test very, very well. I, that that silky uh, footwork that we see in his routes, that smoothness, that's going to carry over to these drills. And the 40 is going to be awesome. So I'm with you on that one. Chris Olave should test pretty well for himself. Garrett Wilson won't be bad either. He'll just be behind Olave and a lot of those uh, combine metrics. Will Traylon Burks break 4-5? Yes. I think so too. Over under 227 pounds. <sighs> I was going to ask you that question. I think he'll be two because he's running. I think we'll see him at about 224, 225. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's he's set, a big dude. Like, weight. that's not a, I, oh, don't, yeah. I don't think that's a bad weight for him, by the way. No. Will Drake London break a four? Now, to me, he looks like a four six guy on tape, but yeah. scouts tell me he's going to run faster than that. Will Drake London break a four five five? Um, I'll say he's. Four, five, six. So I'll say he just misses that. What do you, what you think he's? You agree with me, or you think he'll be faster? I think he's going to be slower. I I agree with you. I think he's going to be slower yeah. than four, five, five. I just don't think the initial burst is enough to to catapult him to a speed faster than four. Uh, but the guy, one of my West Coast guys, I talked to, he's really good on speeds and just gauging it off tape. Sometimes talking to teams, so he thinks he's going to be faster. He probably will. Um, George Pickens, how fast do you think George Pickens is going to be? I don't think he's that fast. I mean, I think he's he's also in that four five five range to me. I think he's slow. I think he's going to be slower than people think. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think mid four fives is kind of what he is. He's not a. I think he's got you know hip snap in some of his breaks. I mean, I think he he can challenge coverage deep uh, and he tracks the ball well. But I don't think he's a burner who's just going to be uh, blowing guys by guys. It's it's a shame that we're not going to see Jamison Williams because I, doing like research on him, 
Uh, finding out that, oh, both his parents were track stars, his siblings yeah. are track stars, he grew up in a track family. Like, yeah. this this guy was going to just, I mean, he's fast in the field, but he was going to, if there was someone that was going to challenge for the four twos, it was going to be Jamison Williams. I think he was going to run in the four three two four three four neighborhood like he is. He's fast, and as you mentioned, he knows how to start like a like a track <laughs> starter, and that's that's a big part of it. Who's the one running back, or who's the one wide receiver that you think is going to really open eyes from a testing standpoint? I tell you what, it might be uh, Sky Moore. Uh, I, I've been told he's been in the low four fours during training, uh, which, you know, he doesn't necessarily have that blazing speed on film, but at the same time, you know, once he gets a step, guys don't usually catch him. And I, I think that he's able to win at the line of scrimmage uh, with that quickness. So um, Sky Moore is a guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing the testing numbers because I, I love the tape. I had him uh, as a mid-third rounder uh, in my top 100, I think like 79 around there. Uh, but if he tests like he's capable of, I, look out with this guy. Two two guys to keep your eye on, Calvin Austin from yeah. Memphis and Taekwon. Uh, yeah, track guy, Taekwon Thornton from Baylor. Yeah. Uh, two very different body types now. Taekwon <laughs> Thornton is uh, 6'3 and about 180 pounds, maybe. And then... Uh, uh, Calvin Austin is is tiny. He's five nine in the maybe he touches one seventy. Uh, he's a very tough tough kid though. But both of them are going to run extremely fast. So I'm looking forward to those guys. How about tight end DJ Daniel Jeremiah? My colleague was talking about how deep the tight end position is, and it and yeah. it is a very very deep position. Is there any chance you think that the tight end one? I think tight end. I think tight end one is up for grabs. I don't think that. Yeah. I, I do think the top three to look for are Kate Otten, Trey McBride, Jeremy Ruckert. That's my guess that those mm-hmm. are the three who are most likely to vie for tight end one. I know that if you're hearing this and you're going, "Hey guys, did I miss? Did Jalen Weidermeyer go back to A and M?" I know that that's the national narrative. Is Jalen Weidermeyer is a first round pick? Jalen Weidermeyer tight end one. I don't think that's going to be the case just to let you in on that and he's not going to run fast either by the way no no he, he's, he's that's not i mean he's probably a four seven six guy i've heard slower yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised he's not a top five tight end for me in this class um i to me i think greg dolchik belongs in that conversation as well uh, a guy competing for tight end one because uh you know he's going to give you a little bit as a blocker but i'll be shocked if he's not the fastest tight end at the combine i think four fives is realistic for him you know, he, he there's some differences between him and you know some of the the most productive tight ends in the NFL. But I think the athleticism he brings to the position, the ability after the catch, Dolchik is a guy that and it, I thought he did well at Senior Bowl week. I thought he looked explosive. So Dolchik is a guy that I think could be a riser. Um, I, I, but I'm with you. I, I've been saying this all all season and, and all draft process. That tight end one is up for grabs. Trey McBride is a good player, but he's not that. He's, I don't use a first round pick. I don't think I didn't include him in my top 50. Um, I, I think that is up for grabs between him. I think Jeremy Ruckert's in that conversation. Isaiah likely, if you want more of the, you know, undersized tight end, uh, flex receiver type guy. And then Kate Otten, I, I, I'm with you. He's, he's a top five tight end for me. I, he's out of sight, out of mind right now because he wasn't able to play at the senior bowl. Uh, and because of that injury, uh, we're probably not going to be able to see him work out at the combine, but hopefully he'll be healthy by the pro day. And, you know, because I think that he's a, he's got a little bit of a discount sticker on him right now. Could end up going a little bit lower than he should, but he's a good player. Who do you want to go to next? You want to roll it over to, uh, you tell me the next position. Well, well hold on. real quick before we, I wanted to mention one more receiver. Yeah. Justin Ross. 
this is a big, big week for Justin Ross. Yeah. Uh, Clemson wide receiver who you watch him as a freshman. Um, you, you think, okay, future top 10 pick. Easy. Lock it, lock it in. Uh, and then injuries happened with the neck injury, the foot injury this year. I don't know that he was necessarily a burner to begin with, a you know, four, four or five guy. Build up um, guy. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know that he was necessarily going to test amazing anyways. But now with these injuries, the medicals, um, that's that, that. this is a big week for Justin Ross to show that, hey, I still belong in the top 50, top 75 conversation. I've still got the juice. I'm still the, – the, the durability is not going to be something that's going to hinder me for the long haul. What, what grade did you put on Ross? I gave him a 59 off tape, which is like a, a very average backup. It's like yeah. a fifth-round grade. The tape's not good. But that was before I had a conversation with Dabo Sweeney. At Senior Bowl, he was on the. Uh, I just started asking about Clemson guys in general, and very, very general conversation about the wide receivers he has had. We got to Justin Ross, and he told me that he suffered that metatarsal, the fifth metatarsal, a, mm-hmm. a fracture, like early, early in the season. Kept getting shot up with Tordal, and just played through it. Like the kid wanted to keep playing, refused to stop playing, wanted to play through it, and he said, "What you saw." was a player who was playing with pain and who was definitely not at 100%. And so then I just said, you know what? I know what I saw in 19 was fantastic. This year wasn't great. He had a hard time getting off press, had some drops. Let me wait until once I had that conversation, I realized, okay, I circled that grade and said, this is a fluid grade, and I need to wait and see how he performs at the combine. And if he performs well at the combine, I'm going to go back and really study 19 hard probably rewrite him based primarily off the 19 tape mm. and then give him a grade um, based on that. If it's, if it's really about his foot. Now I also have to factor in, you know, can he stay healthy and is the foot injury foot injuries are a concern for some teams, yeah. but um, it's not like he carries a ton of weight. So it's, it's not a weight bearing issue, I think long-term, but I'm glad you hit on Justin Ross because to me, the grade that I have right now for him might just be a placeholder. Yeah. It's, it's fluid. There's no doubt about it. Some guys lock it in. We feel no matter what happens the rest of the process, uh, barring injury or something like that, we feel good about it. Ross is not one of those guys. It, it, definitely a fluid uh, grade at this point. Uh, combine will be a big step for him. No question about that. Let's go to the offensive line. Let's just include all the offensive linemen. Sure. Um, I, this is going to be a big week for Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, he should test well across the board. I think he, I think he needs to hit 300 pounds, though. What do you think? I don't. I mean, I don't know that he will. He's never been that. He's always been a two ninety guy, right? Like I don't yeah. know that even even if he does get to three hundred, I don't know that that's necessarily his playing weight. And I, I, you might as well if I'm him, stay at two ninety two, maybe two ninety five. You stay comfortable, and you know, so you can work out at that weight. It's it's. That will be interesting. And on the flip side, Evan Neal, what's he come in at? Is he three fifty? Is he you know how does you know he's a a freak in terms of the flexibility and some of the the smoothness, but how does he hold up in these in these? It's huge, man. The, the weight. If you know this is your biggest, if you know this is your biggest job interview, being unprepared from a weight standpoint is really looked down upon by teams because 100%. it looks like you didn't take it seriously. And I'm I'm trying to look at <clears throat> some of the weights to see some of the players that. Uh, you know, where weight could potentially be an issue. I mean, uh, we already know how big Cole Strange is. He's a smaller center, but he's, he's strong. 
Mm-hmm. Canard and Falele need to keep their weight at reasonable numbers, and their lean muscle mass numbers are going to be a big deal. I, I think this is big for uh, Nicholas Pettit Freer. I was just about no, to mention him too. Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. no senior bowl. He's a really good athlete. You know, he's one of those guys that I don't think he's going to lift. I think he'll wait until the last minute. I do think he needs to lift because there are questions about his play strength. Yeah. So at some point, if the only way that you can answer those questions, because if he doesn't answer questions on his play strength, he will fall. So mm-hmm. if he lifts and lifts to me, 21 plus, he's, he's fine. I don't think that, you know, yes. pretty much tackles once you hit 20, especially if you have arm length in the, yeah, more, 34 more, yeah. plus and you hit yeah. 20 and eh, that's good enough. Your, your core strength will be judged by coaches when they put their hands on you and do some different drills and things like that. But, um, yeah, I would say, uh, I would say from a weight standpoint, uh, Chase and Hines is a guy to keep an eye on. You know, needs to have it at a, at a reasonable number. I tell you, the guy that I think is going to blow up the combine, Cam Jurgens, uh, Nebraska center. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 he's 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 kind of the d- day three developmental version of Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, the athleticism of Jurgens, who was a 245 pound tight end as a senior in high school. Goes to Nebraska, puts on weight, moves to center. The athleticism and range that he puts on film is silly. Uh, the movement skills that this guy has. But he's undersized, and that's going to be something that, that – and that's yeah. why we're not talking about him as a higher-rated no. prospect. But he's going to test off the charts. I think he's going to be a good tester. So is Logan Bruss, I think, their, their uh, tackle, who I think is going to project as a guard. Uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin? Yeah, Wisconsin is a little more athletic – offensive lineman that I'm used to seeing typically. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, the problem with Cam Jurgens. so what I do is to get a feel for, I don't know how you do this, but what I do to get a feel for where guys may be drafted because I'm also responsible for doing draft projections. Of course, I'll talk to teams as we get closer. But if you go look at a place like uh, drafthistory.com and you can look position by position year after year, if mm-hmm. you have a feel for a guy's height, weight, speed, length, um, quickness, you know, their measurables, both physical and athletic measurables, and then who they are as players. You can a lot of times find like players in different drafts and you start to get a feel. So I give you an example. Tyler Lindenbaum, a, a, a tackle who's going to be 6'2, 290 in that neighborhood, who is specifically going to be a zone scheme back, more than likely scheme dependent. Mm-hmm. Those kind of guys almost never go in the first round, not with that kind of size. It's very, very rare. Now, one guy that did go in. Well, Garrett Bradbury went, and so did um, from Iowa, the Iowa center previously, James Hall. He was was he a first or second rounder? Oh, um, not James Hall. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I know with you're the Bears. He went to the Chicago. Yeah, sec- he was a second rounder. He was a second round pick. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of times, that's why when pe- when I had him falling in my draft, well, I had I had to have him falling because it's a scheme specific center, and it's rare to see centers drafted that early unless they have size. Bradbury went to a team that ran Gary Kubiak's, at that time, outside zone scheme, and he was a good fit for it. But even then, most of the time, mm-hmm. you find centers who you can, like Cam Jurgens, late in day three, you mm-hmm. might do something like that. But um, So that's why if you have smaller centers who are scheme-dependent, I mean, a lot of times they will get pushed back. So when you see where when you see where guys are maybe projected to go, it's based on history and how NFL teams typically draft certain types of players. 
Yeah, and that's fair. Um, there's always outliers, um, but yeah, I think that's a general rule of thumb. That that's that's smart. Uh, James Daniels, uh, the guy we're thinking of, uh, James James se- second round pick in 2018. Let's move to defensive ends. Keep us going. Uh, pass rushers. I mean, this is the deepest position in the draft. So there's there's no shortage of storylines here. Uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson. I think people are going to be a little surprised how he doesn't have length. Like I think he's going to be right around maybe 32 and a half inch arms. Which yep. is not ideal, but I think people will be a little surprised by that. But I think he'll bounce back pretty quickly when he does his agility work. Um, if he comes anywhere close to the numbers that made him number two on Bruce Feldman's freak list, then uh, he's going to be just fine. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you know, he's he gets beat up quite a bit talking with scouts. Uh, this is his chance to kind of you know uh, show out and uh, you know kind of quiet the doubters uh, with his workout, which. Uh, it's going to be an interesting workout with Thibodeau. I don't know that it's going to be a Jadavion Clowney type workout. I don't think it's going to be that to that level, but he should still test fairly well. I think with Kayvon Thibodeau, he's got to, you know, where you, where you hang your hat on Kayvon Thibodeau, you're hanging it on not, not what you see on tape in terms of the finished product, but on the Twitch and the explosiveness. Well, that needs to show up now in numbers. And this is, this is what we mean. A, A big broad jump, a vertical leap, um, short area quickness, maybe a fast 40 time. You want to see that explosiveness manifest itself in the workouts on the field with his movements and also with his testing. So I think it's very, very important for Kayvon Thibodeau. I can say this, Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson's numbers are going to be um, close to Clowney and and mm-hmm. uh, J.J. Watt. They're going mm-hmm. to be, I know what his numbers are going to be, and they're going to be exceptional. His three-cone drill is going to be in the neighborhood of Pay. So get ready to be blown away with some of Aiden Hutchinson's numbers. Same thing can be said with David Ajabo. He's going yeah, to oh, test yeah. really, really well. I think George Karloftis has a lot on the line at the Combine from mm-hmm. a testing standpoint because, you know, my, my issues with him are... What's that three-cone? That's what I yeah, want to know. Yeah, because with Karloftis, I actually think he is a really impressive power rusher. I yeah. thought he really gave people fits with being able to push the pocket. And I, I've become more of a believer in power rushers over the years, guys who physically can force their way into the pocket. You know, where I didn't love him, where I thought I would, was the ability to stack, stack spy, and shed quickly and make plays with short area quickness. He wasn't as twitchy. And didn't have as much short area impact from a range tackling standpoint as and I. And he doesn't have long arms either. That's the, no. that, that's also hurting him. No, but there's going to be some major testers. Boy Mafe oh, from yeah. he'll uh, be over forty in the vert. Oh my God, he's he's going to test great. I think uh, Nick Bonito is from Oklahoma is going to mm-hmm. test really really well. I think Dominique Robinson from Miami Ohio is going to be um, a really good tester. D'Angelo Malone, I believe, is supposed to test well. Yep. Um, there's going to be a few really really impressive testers in this year's class. Yeah, and I'm eager to see my my guy Trevon Walker, who you and I are very split on um, yeah. as a player. I think he. Uh, we're eager to see what he comes in. What, you know what he what he's weighing at. Is it around two seventy five? Is it lighter, uh, heavier? And then I, I think he has a chance to really. I mean, he he moves. I, I think he's got some really special movement skills for that size. So I'm eager to see what he does. That's going to be the key because the height, weight, length. I think he's going to kill it. Like uh, absolutely, he is. It, it he's going to win on the scale. He's going to win with the tape measure. What you want to see him do is hit numbers. So I'll give you an example, and this is this is an older one. This is from about four years ago. But um, at his position, would you call him defensive end slash five technique 
you know, in the same category? Uh, yeah, potentially. I think, I think okay. he's scheme versatile, but that's fair to sure. put him in that, that uh, category. Okay, more so than a rush in. So a rush in, yeah. the typical size is 6'3", 6'3 263. These are a little bit older, with length 33 and 4'8". As a defensive end slash five technique, the averages are 6'5", 290, with length of 34 inches. Tavon's going to come in closer, and I think um, – not Tavon, but uh, uh, Trayvon Walker. I mm-hmm. think that Trayvon Walker is going to continue to grow into his frame, and I, I wrote him as a five technique. I, I think he is going to be at his best when he is bullying – tackles right off the line of scrimmage and he got some alignments like that at Georgia so I mean we've we've seen him in some four eye and some five technique stuff but I think he's going to look really good there now the averages for a 40 yard dash uh, a 491 now that's I think he's going to run faster than that the five techniques probably bring that down a little bit to give you an example of uh, for their defensive end the 40 time the average starter is 470 do you think he will run faster than a four seven oh? I think he'll be right around that. Um, I watching him chase down an Alabama wide receiver in the open field in the national title game. Um, I this guy's got juice, so I think he's going to run really well. Um, I but what he comes in, what he weighs at will be interesting. If they he kind of bulked up or if he you know kind of shed a little bit of weight, that that all factor in too. But I do think he's going to impress when when he ends up running. Well, you know, the vertical leap between a def, uh, between a five tech is 32 is the average starter uh, for a, an, an even front defensive end or even a three, four outside linebackers at 35. So I think in some of his I think if he works out and his numbers are closer to DN five technique, that hurts him. And that's kind of pushes him in my category. If he works out and works out like a four, three defensive end. And he has some more, and he's on. He's more towards the starting level athletic numbers that we expect to see from four three defensive ends that maybe are smaller than him. That's a huge win for him. Mm-hmm. I agree, hundred percent. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Let's 
Go to defensive tackle. We're going to talk about a f- two more Georgia guys. Um, with Jordan Davis, is he above or below 350? That, that's kind of the first thing. What's he weigh in at? And Over. then, uh, like, probably, unless he tried to really shed weight to, to run better, even at even if he's over 350, he might get under five flat. I, he's got some crazy miles per hour numbers that translate to well the four nine range. He can move, man. He, he can really move. can. I it, it's it's kind of freaky watching him move. So uh, and then his teammate Devontae Wyatt, who I have DT one uh, just ahead of Jordan Davis. I know you have it flipped. Um, you know, obviously they're different, almost different positions with what they play. Wyatt, um, I expect to come in around three hundred five, and does he crack four nine uh, above or uh, you know above or below that four nine uh, mark? I think he has uh, the speed to do it. So a lot of these Georgia defensive linemen should show out. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I mean, the defensive front. <laughs> oh, yeah. why, why stop at defensive line? We just hit on three defensive linemen. You got three different linebackers, but we can save that. But yeah, I think uh, when you saw his quickness and explosiveness, all you needed to do is watch him at the senior bowl and really frankly mm-hmm. on tape. And you already see he's one of those guys because sometimes a guy will test better or worse than you expected based on tape. There's like a no doubt that he's going to be a good tester because um, he may not blow you away, but he's not going to disappoint you. His quickness numbers and things like that. He's Devontae Wyatt is going to test well at the combine. I don't think there's any question about that. Wyatt was a linebacker for a good chunk of his high school uh, career. So yeah, this is this is an athlete who just kind of bulked up and added weight, but he he didn't lose that athleticism. Um, and then the other only only other guy I want to mention for defense tackle. DeMar- DeMarvin Leal, um, this is a big week for him. Uh, you know, he's a guy that should test fairly well for his size. Um, I, you know, you, you want to see him make more of an impact on the field, but he at least needs to have the numbers uh, at the combine that fall back on to say, see, I still have, I've got these movement skills um, and just the position specific drills. This will be a big week for Leal. Yeah, it's huge because when you look at some of the defensive linemen I have ranked ahead of them, I mean, they're all bigger guys, 330, 360, yeah. 313, 320. Then you get to Leal, he's at two, 280s, 290s. Like, where does he come in? Does he yeah. come in at 285 and try to be quick and try to sell himself as a base end and a 4-3? Does he – does he try to sell himself as a three, four, five technique, which I don't think is being considered enough? I think that might be a sweet spot. Or does he get try to get up to three hundred and you know two pounds and show people he can be you know he can run and test well over three hundred and try to lock in at three technique? A and M moved him around a little bit, so I think finding a home for him from a positional standpoint is a really big deal. Yep, hundred percent. So move on to linebacker where. Let's stick with that Georgia thing that we were talking about. Quay Walker, I'm very eager to see him. He had to pull out of the Senior Bowl with a rib issue. Um, he's expected to be back uh, almost you know, 100% and uh, performing at the Combine. I can't wait to see it. It looks almost like a defensive end at 6'4", 245, around there. And I bet you he runs... Low four fives? I think that's certainly possible for him. He is a freak in the open field. He he can move. You ready for this? The national um the estimate that 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 the scouting services have on him, the teams use, a lot of times it's nowhere, you know, a lot of times it misses and sometimes misses badly. But the number I see on him is a four seven five. There's no way. No. There's no what? way. If he's over four Six five, I would be shocked. So, yeah, um, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. Unless, uh, I mean, unless I no, 
Oh, that's 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 what I have on him. Who runs faster, him or um, Aaron Hansford from Texas A&M? Ooh, the former wide receiver. Um, that, I, I think they'll be pretty similar. I think they'll both be under four six. So we're talking four fives. Yeah, I think they're both going to run really well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that there's a clear winner there uh, right now, but I, I think they're both going to run really, really well. I think. Uh, Maybe you throw I you throw Troy Anderson in that mix too from Montana State. I think he's going to run in the four fives. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's he's got speed. I think Chad Muma uh, can get there. Um, he he's got the former safety. I think he's got the speed to do it. And there might be a, the the one Brandon linebacker, Smith is going to be really I fast. Think that, that's exactly what I was going to. Yeah, bring he's going to be is, really this fast. This is a huge week for Brandon Smith. He is a very mediocre football player, but he should be an elite tester. His size, the measurements, and then. I mean, if he ran a four four eight, would not be shocked at all. Um, he he's got that type of ability. So um, again, same, kind of the same thing with Demarvin Leal for Brandon Smith. He's his tape is very up and down. It's not uh, not something that you really hang your hat on. But if you have these numbers, if you have this athletic testing, it's at least something you can point to and say, at the very least, this is what you're getting with a player like me. Let me tell you who I <laughs> I'm going to tell you a guy that you need to keep an eye on for your bench press record is Leo Chanel. This oh might be the strongest gosh. player pound for pound that I've ever yeah. seen at the combine. I, when you watch him play, you can see it looks like. Pe- Have you ever run into? You know how when you're walking and you turn and you're not paying attention and you run into like your shoulder hits a wall <laughs> and you knock right. backwards and it's like ah, right. that's what every game looks like when he rushes into the a gap as an a gap blitzer. It's like guys are running into a wall. His strength, I, I can't even do it justice. He's unbelievably strong. They say he doesn't even just test at – he doesn't work out at 225. I think he works out at 275. Well, and he benches that – he maxes at 420. That's his Yeah, max he maxes on the at 420, but he's got the muscle endurance too that he could hit 40. Like right. Leo Chanel's getting ready to do some freaky-ass stuff, trust me, oh, at, I, at least from a bench press standpoint. His yeah, his strength for the position, the contact balance, and he should run uh, fairly well. He's not a slug out there, so yeah, I'm with you. Leo Chanel is really, really, really interesting with uh, his package of traits. Let's uh, finish up with the defensive back. Start with corner. Big, big week for Derek Stingley um, on the field and off the field. The interviews are going to be huge. And you know what? Talking to scouts about Stingley, you get so many different opinions, so many different with the injury stuff. Uh, I think the prevailing thought is. They don't think that this guy's an alpha, you know, like he's kind of, uh, he's still like just very young and, you know, needs to be kind of catered, catered to a little bit. And I mean, that's, it's, it's something that will hurt him with a little bit with teams, but these, this interview process is going to be big. Uh, the medicals obviously will be huge for him and he should test well, uh, that that's at least what the tape says. But more importantly for him will be uh, the off the field stuff. So Derek Stingley, you could make the argument maybe the biggest week of any player uh, at the combine. I would totally agree. The problem is he's not going to run. So I think there's there going to be a little. From what I understand, the workout stuff is going to be limited because of Liz Frank. Yeah. And so I, I really wanted to see. We'll see what all workouts he does because I wanted to see him run because he's going to run really really fast. He's going to jump high. All of his measurement and testing is going to be um, exceptional. I, I'm curious to see what Sauce Gardner runs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Trent McDuffie, it's a big day for him too because he yeah. has the look of every Washington corner ever that are super – now he's bigger than most of them. Super twitchy, smother you underneath. You question, are they as fast as they are explosively twitchy? 
that's the kind of uh, question you know you typically ask. I think Kair Elam got burned on some deep balls against some quality opponents. I'm a little concerned for his 40 time. I think he ne- needs to run well. Real quick on those four guys, Gardner, McGuffey, yeah. Elam, and let's throw, throw Booth in there as well. Uh, those four corners, how would you rank them in terms of the 40-yard dash of speed? Uh, Gardner, McDuffie, Booth, Elam. Rank them with how they're going to run at the combine in terms of 40-yard dash. Booth, Gardner, Mc, Gardner, Booth, McDuffie, and who was the last e- one? Kyrie Elam. I'll go Elam last. Yeah. McDuffie third, Gardner two, and Booth one. Okay. I, How do you have it? I sauce might, sauce might be one. Yeah, I mean that. I don't know. That's that that's tough because I think they're all kind of similar. I think they're all like four four five to four five two maybe like uh, around that range where they should be four four uh, four four, but maybe they they're in the low four fives. I that's that's not bad. Um, McDuffie. I, I think his jumps will be more impressive. He should get like 41 or maybe 42 in his in his vertical. But the Gardner, I'm eager to see his three cone as well. Um, I, he he is fluid, but there are times where he gets out of control uh, down the field. And I think that's something that could show up in some of these drills. Yeah, so. he's, he's more linear. I mean, right. the guy that's going to kill it is Kyler Gordon from Washington. He's going to be yeah. – He's going to be a crazy tester. He's going to jump 40. Um, I think he's going to run really well, and I think he's going to be very explosive. I think my my ranking on Kyler Gordon is higher than everyone else's, and that's because I'm already my grade already has what is expected to be a monster combine baked into it. Yeah, and, that, and that's fair. I, 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 I'm, I'm hung up on, the, the I thought, the lack of instincts that for me, but when you no test doubt. like – when you test like he's going to test, it's hard to uh, not get you know kind of bump him up even more. So yeah, that that'll be something we talk about. You may give you, you you may give you another secret tester here that's going to be popping up is Zion McCullum from Sam Houston. Yeah. Get ready for a three cone for a uh, an L drill, um, a short shuttle, a three cone, and a short shuttle. And I think a forty time in the in the four four six range, he is going to really uh, test well for being a big cornerback as well. He's combine. He's like he's like six two two hundred pounds, and At he's the getting ready. Bowl, he was six two two oh two. Yeah, and he's getting ready to run a sub seven three cone. So he's going to run a wide receiver three cone, and he's going to be really really fast on that one and quick. So. Um, a lot of different man. I'm just looking through all the, the players I've written. The up one, and, the one guy that I think you know he could be in the conversation of the fastest forty of anybody at the combine. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Tariq Woolen from UTSA. Uh, oh, he will. He, yeah, I think I think he's, he's going to be. That that would be my pick for the fastest forty this he's year. He's a track man, track real, guy, real speed. And at the Senior Bowl, he set the MPH record for uh, the fastest since they've been tracking it the last five years. So Tariq Woolen should uh, be low four threes and uh, be in that conversation, be the fastest this year. Yeah, I'm looking through some other ones, but I th- I think he's gonna Cardell Flott will have some pretty good speed, but no, I think you're on it. I think he's gonna be the guy that really, really runs fast. The USC corners, Chris Steele and Isaac yeah. Taylor Stewart is Isaac Taylor Stewart's gonna be a really not Chris Steele so much, but Isaac Taylor Stewart's gonna test really well too. But eh, tape just not good enough. Let's uh let's go to safety, finish this up. Uh some interesting workout uh, guys here. Nick Cross from Maryland should test really, really well. 
Um, I don't know that uh, – I don't love the tape, but I think from a testing standpoint, he should be a guy that's uh, off the charts. Tyson Anderson from Toledo, another guy that's 6'2", over 200 pounds, but should be in the 4'4s. He's, I mean, he he's can gonna, run. You yeah, can he's going to test really well. Really long player as well. Um, what do you think Daxton Hill is going to run? I, I, I think he's going to test. I, he, to me, I see a twitchy athlete. So I, you're going to see a very, very good tester. He's going to jump close to yeah. 40. He's going to be a close to 40 jump or two. He's going to run, I think, in the in a 4-4-1 range, which is extremely fast for a safety. Yep. Bottom line is he can play nickel also. So Daxton 100%. is going to be a really, really good tester. I think – I think that I think the guys that have the most to gain here or potentially lose Smoke Monday looks slow on tape. I think Smoke yeah. needs to run well. Uh, Kirby Joseph from Illinois has a chance to I think uh, uh, really help himself and push himself up the board. Verone McKinley needs to. I mean, there's only so much he can do with his size, but he's a four six guy, right? I, 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 he is. I think he is going. I think he's going to be a little faster, Kirby Joseph. Okay. Who? Oh, you mean no, McKinley? No, no. no I, I think I think I think Joseph can move. I, yeah, can McKinley uh, is going to be a little a little. McKinley. Slow. Yeah, I've got low four sixes on him. I think so. Um, the guy that I'm interested to see run. I think Brian Cook is going to really help himself yeah, if he can corner. run. And I think he's he's a former corner who I think can can. I think he's got a chance to really run. But I was watching biggest... Howard tape from 2018 last night to just get a sense Were of what really? he looked like at corner. Yeah, I, he's, I, I like him a lot. I mean, he's, I, I'm a big fan. Big fan. I don't. I mean, he's I, to me. There's a there's there's six six safeties in this draft that are I think the top not the top tier, but the the guys that are kind of separate themselves with Kyle Hamilton, Daxton Hill, Petrie, Seen, Brisker, and Cook, and. Everyone's going to have Hamilton one, and then how you view those next five guys will be a little bit split uh, depending on who you talk to. That's how I have them. And uh, I don't have Jalen Petrie as high as most people. I've got like a fourth on him. Um, I I, I question how he's going to run a little bit. And – but no, I I'm a fan of Briskers. I think this is a good safety draft. I think if you want any of the guys yeah. you talked about, I felt like Tyson Anderson is a guy who you mentioned before. I love McKinley's instincts and how tough he is. Tyson Anderson to me has some traits that I'm a fan of. Not as high on Joseph Kirby, but I, I or Kirby Joseph, but I I do know some people that really like him and uh, um, even a guy like Yusef Corker. I actually liked him on tape. I just, you know, there, there's just, I've got him on a fifth, I've got a fifth round backup grade. So we're getting kind of in the minutia of, of some of the, uh, I have not seen the, uh, I have not seen Nick Cross yet. I still need to write Nick Cross. So I, I can't okay. comment on him. Yeah. A really super athletic, uh, player who, uh, I, he's still learning and figuring things out. I but, hate uh, writing safeties. I mean, it, yeah, it's tough. I just, it, 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 it takes a long, it's so time consuming to see what you need to see. hundred percent, hundred percent. We're over an hour. So this is this is a fun pod. I, I, hopefully, we lay out a lot of things to look for next week at the combine. Um, we'll be doing some uh, some uh, podcasts from uh, Indianapolis next week, and then Lance and I will be back uh, the following week to do a combine wrap up. So, plenty of combine coverage coming to you here on the Athletic Football Show. Until then, please subscribe, rate, hit us up on Twitter. We'll be back uh, next week. We'll talk to you then. This was the Athletic Football Show.